Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a good week. You know, there's a, there's a lot to be said about our praise and worship this morning. You know, when we spoke the name of Jesus this morning, I had a, just in my, in my mind and in my thoughts, it cleared some stuff. You know, that's one of the things that I think is so perfect for praise and worship is that when we actually do this and consistently, I'm talking about consistently, consistently is not once a month, once a week. We need to do this daily. We need to have praise and worship where we, where we actually just let the Lord be still and know that he's God, have that music play and let him just completely and totally take all those cobwebs out. You know, I woke up this morning First thing that I thought was, what am I teaching this morning? Have you ever had those? You ever woke up and go, what am I doing today? Am I going to work today? No, it's Saturday. Well, maybe it's Monday. You know, that's the whole thing about spiritually. A lot of times we get to the point to where we don't know what day it is. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I believe that this is going to be an important lesson for us all. This was an important lesson for me. Thank God I got it before y'all so I could preach it. But <clears throat> this is the problem that we have in our society, especially in churches, church society, is that we become anorexic in our love. And when we become anorexic in our love, we start not living life the way Jesus lived life. And you may be going, well, Dusty, anorexic means a, a mental disorder where where people just don't eat because they feel like they're too fat. I have not, no one in my family has this, by the way. I have, I, in fact, I don't know anybody that's had this. But it's out there, okay? But I will tell you that I have had anorexic love. I've had anorexic belief and faith. You may go, well, Dusty, you, you, should, just, you should just know that you have faith. Well, yeah. But... You know, the thing is, is that when you actually, when you actually don't allow your mind to be renewed by the word of God, you start forgetting stuff. I used to have pastors that said we leak. Have you ever heard of that? It was like, it was like, we leak the word. Well, yeah, you do leak the word. What happens is, is that I don't think you leak it. I think you store it way back there in the back recesses of your library and you need people and the Holy Spirit and the Word to come and remind you so that you can pull that stuff to the forefront and open it up so that you can walk away with a new, fresh revelation of the thing that you already knew. You know, I've had plenty of fresh revelations of stuff that I already knew. I mean, I, I knew it. I had it down pat, and then years go by, and I quit thinking about those things. And they got stored way, way back in the recesses of our, my, my mind. See, this is the problem. Societally, especially in church, we forget the things that we're supposed to know. We don't renew our mind. We don't create opportunities for us to reignite that fire. And this is the problem with, with anorexia is that sometimes we forget how to remember. Have you ever, you ever forgotten how to remember? Some of y'all are looking at me like, what, Dusty? I've never forgotten how to remember. 
I'm like, I'm like, I have. I've forgotten how to remember. I, I've, I've been like, what should I actually be thinking about? <laughs> it's, believe me, with all the stuff coming at me, I don't think it's age. I think there's just so many things that's come at you in your life. It's really easy when you're 17 years old, right? Or you're 22 back here in the back. But it's not that easy when you start having everything come at you all at one time for the last 46 years. You start going, how do I get myself to the place to where I remember things from a long time ago? And you go, you know, I I will tell you, I find this to happen all the time. People remember the same things over and over again, tell the same stories, especially the older you get. It's because those are the things that you've drudged back up and you've kept to in your forefront. See, the word is supposed to be drudged up and every good and perfect thing is supposed to be brought back up to you. Amen? I'm going to start drudging some stuff up. We're we're not going to be anorexic in our love this morning. Amen? There we go. We're going to start out in 1 John chapter 4. You know, a lot of people call uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which we're going to get to here in a minute. That's one of the love chapters. But 1 John chapter 4 is what I always tell people to start out with. If people say, where do I start in the Bible? I say, read 1 John chapter 4, the whole chapter, and then go read the Gospel of John. Those are the first things that I tell people to do. You know why? Because I want people to know God loves them up front. Because when you start looking at the gospel, you start seeing the words love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that you find in John chapter 3. You end up having a sense of what is love? Who is love? Why did we even need to know about these things? And the problem is, is that a lot of times we read the scripture without the context of understanding who God is, what he was doing in the earth, and what was happening in the earth at the time. In 1 John chapter 4, it is amazing. It's awesome. We need to understand 1 John chapter 4 probably as much, if not better, than any other book or any other chapter in this whole book. Because if we don't understand this, then we don't know God. And then what's the purpose? I mean, literally, what what was the purpose for y'all coming up here and listening to me talk this morning? Nothing. Nothing. There's no purpose if there is no God. And if God doesn't love you, then why the heck are you here? I wouldn't be here. Y'all going, you shouldn't come to church? Well, no. You need to know God loves you. You need to know why you're here. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing for your family. And see, 1 John chapter 4 gives you the the beauty of who God is. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is of love. And everyone who love is born of God and knows God. That is a, that is a powerful, powerful scripture right there because verse 8 is about to step on some toes. Because it says, And if anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is this agape kind of love. I call it the smorgasbord. God, in fact, Amy sent me a thing. If y'all saw it on the, they said they were having a smorgasbord at, at Matt and Amy's house. You know, this is the thing. 
A smorgasbord is not like, well, I just had a lot of the same food. You know, I can go to a rib joint. We were talking about this this morning, Mike and I. I can go to a rib joint and I can have all the ribs I want. But that's not a smorgasbord. A smorgasbord is I have ribs and spaghetti and I have pizza and I have, you know, turkey and ham and dressing. and we, We just go and there's more stuff than you can ever imagine that you can eat. See, that's what the word agape really means, is it means a love feast. It means that there is so much, and it's so broad, and there's just more than you can ever imagine. That's what love looks like. That's what God looks like. It is, it is beyond your comprehension, by the way. In fact, it even says in Revelations that there's angels that sit around the throne and they go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And, you know, it wasn't like God had a rehearsal and said, okay, guys, before John shows up to write Revelations, I want y'all to stand around my throne. I want you to, you know, sing out holy, holy, holy. No, no, no. It says that they have eyes all over their body. It means they can see everything at all times. And when they looked into God's throne and saw the past, present, future, and all the things that was going on, they were going, whoa, have you ever been on a roller coaster? I I like to watch some of these. You got these kids that they put on a roller coaster and they go, oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And the kids goes, yeah, I want to do this. And they put them on there and they get to the top and they're going, I don't want to do this anymore. And they get to the top and it's like, ah, well, that's the way it was. It's a little scary. It's a little fun. It's awesome. I would imagine being an angel where you saw the goodness of God, past, present, future, forever and infinite and infinitum. If you saw God in all the things, it would be a little scary. It'd be a little fun. Be a little bit like, oh my gosh, what am I looking at here? But they were screaming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. See, this is the problem is that we don't know God if we don't know love. And if we don't know love, then we don't know God. Because God equals love. God is the smorgasbord. He's beyond what you could ever ask or think. He can give you more than what you can ever that you could ever dream of. And see, this is the problem that we have in the church is the fact that we don't know that God himself, when Adam and Eve fell, and they knew that they were going to be in trouble, that God turns right around after they said, hey, we're fighting amongst ourselves. Me and you know Adam and Eve, they're fighting. And God just turns around and looks at, at at the serpent and he makes a promise and he tells them he said that the seed of the woman will crush your head and you'll bruise his heel see this was the first proclamation of the Christ the Messiah and the love of God the the expansive no holds barred you know I love that because back in the 80s, we, I used to watch wrestling. How many people watched wrestling back then? It was like, you know, Andre the Giant and, and it was, you know, Hulk Hogan and it was Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Every time I went and I did that, I was Dusty Rhodes. Oh! <laughs> you know, 
I'd walk around. My dad, we had a trampoline. I'd be outside. I'd have a two-by-four in my hand. Dad would be like, don't use that two-by-four on people. (laughs) Me and my friends got hurt a lot, but it was fun, okay? But we would go outside, and we would would play. And and the thing is, is that you heard that term, no holds barred. Well, a hold that was barred a long time ago was the chokehold. That was one of them. In fact, I probably choked out and got choked out by my friends more time. But you'd go, no holds barred. Which basically means that you can do anything you wanted to, you know. Well, this was the point. Is that God came down and he told Adam and Eve, no holds barred. I'm going to put my son in the most dangerous place. I can't imagine it. The moment that I think about my son or I think about my daughter, I would say, y'all are all going to hell. I'm sorry. I'm not putting my kids in harm's way. But God said, no holds barred. I believe my son can overcome. It's only going to be a bruise to his heel. But he's going to overcome and he's going to take on the sin and he's going to make it all okay. Man, the love of God for you was harm to him. That's how amazing God is. In fact, it says here in verse 9, it says, In this the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That means an atonement. It means he removed an obstacle. Go look up the word atonement and it means that it was an obstacle removed. Do you know that there was an obstacle between us and God and it was called that we had a dead spirit. There was no connectivity back into God. And when we got saved and you got filled with the Holy Spirit, that he recreated your spirit to connect back to God. We have that connection to God Each and every minute of every single day. There's nothing that you can do. There's no amount of stuff that you can do. God is connected to you if you're saved. And see, this is one of the things that we have to understand is that he was a propitiation for our sin. It means that that the removal of of the payment, the removal of what sin caused now allows God to be connected back to us. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. You know, to live is to know that you're loved by God first. You know, I hear people all the time say, God, you know, you should just, no matter what happens, even if you were to go to hell, you should just love God. And the thing is, is that, you know, I don't have a problem if somebody loves God, but you got to understand that he came to do away with hell. He came to do away with the obstacle. God wanted to love on you first. You know, that there's nothing that you can receive without that, without it being given. Does that make sense to everybody? See, we live in a society where that's almost gone. Right? Like if somebody came to you and said, you know, if I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, Jamie, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to give you something. Um, 
I'm going to give you 20 bucks just because God told me to. Jamie being the kind of man that he is, will go, I don't need you 20 bucks. Man, I want to bless you. I want to give you something. But see, this is the problem. Is that back in those days, if you, it was almost like cutting covenant. It was like, hey, I want to love on you. I want to give you something. And the receiving had to be as good as the giving. Does everybody understand that? See, it's hard for our society because we go, well, I don't want to be in debt to you. Oh, my God, I'm going to tell you what. We need to be in debt to each other. We need to create some debit transactional type of things with each other. We need to be able to give and receive freely because God gave and received freely. See, when people say, well, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's great. Loving everybody is great. But most people don't even love themselves, so they love everybody the way that they're loved, and they do not love themselves. You know, I spent a good bit of my time when I was younger feeling like the world was against me. Even when I got saved, I felt like the world was against me. Because nothing worked out in my life. How many people feel like nothing works out in your life? Don't lie to me. You know what? Even today, I'll be sitting there and it's a lie, but it'll come at me. Don't be self-righteous. Come on now. I have to go, no, God is good to me. And everything that happens to me is a blessing. I'm going to be blessed even when it doesn't look like I'm blessed. I'm going to be blessed. Amen. But see, those thoughts still come. The the opportunities for you to go, oh, this is just so awful. I'm just so, you know, I'm cursed. Well, guess what happens? If you live your life that way, you'll find plenty of curses. But if you want to receive, then you have to be able to take from the giver. See, everybody wants a God that is non-transactional. I don't have to have relationship with God. God just blesses me. It shows up on my front door step. I don't have to actually talk to God. I just, God's so good to me. Oh, it's so good. And I love on God. I do. And it's like, well, how many times do you sit around and talk to God? Well, I don't. But, you know, God's good to me and I love him. It's like, well, you know, God sends you somebody and they don't look and smell and feel really good. And you're, you're talking to them and you think, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, God sent you somebody to love on and because he was showing you love. See, if we knew who God was, then we would know that God gave us love in order for us to love others. See, a lot of times in our own life, we have a love deficiency and then something comes into our life and we think it's a curse because we don't know how to give what God has been trying to give us because we just go, sorry, I have a mental disorder that tells me that I I don't need to eat of this love. I don't need to take of this gift. I don't need to be a part of it. And so now I become anemic I become anorexic. I I no longer have the power to be able to give love because everything I've ever done, I was like, no, I don't need your love, God. Man, this was not supposed to be that hard, right? 
But I wanted you guys to know that we have the opportunity to be loved by God through relationship. And then it just oozes out of you. Have you ever been squeezed? (laughs) There. I've got some stories of people playing football and you would squeeze them. There was a lot of stuff that came out, right? This is the problem, is that it wasn't the good stuff. It wasn't stuff anybody wanted. But see, that's what happens when we actually get squeezed and we've not actually had anything put in. What gets squeezed out is the bad stuff. But if you've got God, man... It's it's like the Pillsbury Doughboy. It's just like hee hee, and it comes right out. And it's the love of God. He just goes and it just spreads around. You know, Caleb's been doing this thing. We saw it on TikTok or, or no, it was like uh, Instagram or whatever. It's where they take a graham cracker, they put some chocolate on top of it, and then they put like a, a big marshmallow, and they put uh, I think it's a cookie. It's like cookie dough over the top of it, and we put it in there. Well, you know what happens when you stick this thing into the oven? And we found out pretty hard uh, how hard it was to get off the pan. But that, but that marshmallow blows up and it flips the whole cookie upside down. And so now you have a graham cracker with some chocolate on it. You have a marshmallow that's kind of stuck to a cookie and it's all over the pan. <laughs> See, that's the thing is that we have to understand is that If the goodness is on the inside of you, it's going to explode and get out there and it's going to be hard to clean off. See, we need to explode with some love on some people so hard that it's hard to get off of them. Amen. You ain't lived until you've known love. And God is equal. He is love. Amen. Let's keep eating the smorgasbord. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 2, and it says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have gifts of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Now I want you to understand something. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I call it the... I call it the, um, the Holy Ghost sandwich, okay? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells you what all the gifts are. Then 13 tells you, hey, let's keep them in balance. The filling is love, right? And then on the other side, it tells you how to use the Holy Spirit, how, how you get with the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be in your life, why He's in your life. And see, if we don't understand these, then we just read it for love's sake. But I want you to understand something. God has gifts and he has prophecies and he has all these other things that you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be with him and working with him in the the earth. The Holy Spirit doesn't come around and pray for people on the streets or at your work. It's not going to happen. Guess who he uses? You, usins are the ones that are supposed to go out there with the Holy Spirit and you're supposed to pray and you're supposed to prophesy the goodness of God onto people. This is a part of that whole cookie flipping over and it just like gets all over the place. But see, if you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is God, He is love, and He is 
propagating love into your life. He is pushing love into your life so that when you get squeezed, it just comes all the way out. If you don't know this, then what's going to happen is is that you're going to become this clanging cymbal. You're going to be like animal over here. This was the way my son played drums when he first started trying to... We would be downstairs and if he'd go... We'd be like, okay, you can only play and start playing these from like three to five because the whole neighborhood will hate us. Now, he's way better now and we're okay with him playing. But even when he plays good, a clanging cymbal and a banging drum is hard to deal with inside your house. Amen. It'd be like if I took my guitar and I hooked it up to an amp and I put it in the middle of the living room. Oh, it'd be perfect. We'd just, everybody praise the Lord if I did that. No. If I'm in there and people are trying to sleep and they're going, they're going, Dusty, shut up. I got to go to bed. Well, this is the problem. Is that when we don't love, we just sound, it's like nails on the chalkboard. It's like, this is just hard. And when we have love with everything that we do, then people can accept that sound. You know, years ago, years ago I was, you know, I was doing youth ministry and we were teaching youth how to play. And if you've got a bunch of youth, I mean, I'm talking about all the way up into like 20s, 25. Matt was there. Heather was there. You know, and I think Reba and Charlie probably heard some of it and ran out of the building. But we would go and we would teach youth how to play guitar and bass and drums and all that kind of stuff. And we would go in there and you would be trying to have a conversation about what you're going to play and how you were going to play it. And if you put an instrument in a kid's hand, boom. And he's just, they're just looking at you like, I'm not even paying attention to what I'm doing or what you're talking about. I'm just mindlessly. And you're going, and I would get to the point to where I just wanted to go. I would just go, shut up. Stop it. And they would go, what did I do? I didn't do it. Well, he's getting mad for no apparent reason. I was like, no, for the last 45 minutes, you've done nothing but and I'm going, we, we haven't been able to talk. See, that's the problem is that when we're trying to do something and we don't have love, which is maturity, which is joy and peace and long-suffering. We're about to see that here in just a minute. But if we don't have this, then we're just a banging symbol. It's just like mindless. If I was up here, you know, playing, all of a sudden it was just like constantly. It was like, you know, hey guys, how y'all doing? How many people can actually pay attention to Dusty's, what Dusty's saying? The answer is you're not. And the Holy Spirit himself wants you to know who you are and what you're doing. If you don't have love, you might have faith that can move a mountain. I've known plenty of people who they did some pretty awesome things for God. And they didn't have any love. And there was a lot of people that wouldn't come see them. You know, it would be kind of hard. You know, I love Mr. Barry sitting up here. 
You know, I call him Mr. Barry because I still remember him when he taught kids' church back when my kids were going to VCF. So sometimes I, I, I make that mistake. He is Barry, okay, Barry Alexander. I don't think of him like he's way, way older than me or something like that. So don't take that. But what if I, what if, you know, every time I went to go talk to Barry, I just had a bad attitude. But Barry was told by God that I needed to pray for him. You think Barry's going to come talk to me? Well, Barry may be way more spiritually mature than, than I am. But if, but if I can't receive from somebody, I have a hard time going to them. It's just my flesh. I, I mean, I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to be honest with you. I'll go find somebody else to pray for me. I may have faith that can move mountains, but if I act like a jerk, then guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to have very many people that I can actually use my gift for. I'm doing it by myself. See what I'm saying? And I know plenty of people, it's like, well, they should just get on board and they should just let the, you know, doesn't matter how I act or whatever. I'm being led by the Spirit of God. Well, guess what? You're going to be standing alone by the Spirit of God. And this is the problem that we have in our church and our society is that we don't understand God's love for us. We won't be able to give our gift in love, and people won't receive our gift. You know, I had to ask myself this question a while back, like probably 10 years ago, because I still had problems with being loved and giving love. I would be upset. People could set me off, and I would be like, you know, especially at work. They wouldn't listen to me. I would tell them, you know, I, I was really, really smart. And people need to listen to me. Because if they had just listened to me, they wouldn't have gotten into the problems that they got into. I'm going to tell you. And that's the way that I acted. And see, I was technically right more than I was technically wrong. But people would not come to me and try to find out why I was technically right. Because I, would, I, I wouldn't teach them. I would I'd lecture them and it was a, a character flaw I had is it okay for me to be open and honest about things that I've been having to get out of my life I mean y'all aren't gonna go I ain't coming back to that church he said that he's he's had sinful ways in the past I want my pastor to be perfect well <laughs> go try to find that out there okay but this is the problem is that the more I started understanding how to deal with people one-on-one, -on -one, then my pay went up because people started going, I can't deal with Dusty about that. To Dusty's got a lot to say, and I see him changing. And then it went to, whoa, I need to put Dusty out in front because he's got a gift not just to fix our problems technically, but he's able to explain it to people, he's, he's able to go write documents, praise God, because I couldn't even read back 20 years ago, but I could go out and I can explain things and go to like Department of Energy and NERC and all these different places and help them to write documents that the industry uses. Do you know that the more I started being, you know, kind, living in that, that thoughtfulness of other people's feelings, my gift was received a whole lot more. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13.3 and it says, And though 
I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. I love this Mother Teresa um, you know, quote here because it says, I try to give to the poor people for love what the rich could get for money. It means that a rich person can go into any hospital, lay down a million dollars and say, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what you've got to go and, and get for me. And they'll go get it. They'll go get the best doctors, the best medicine because they got the money. And what she says, I want to give to the poor the same as what rich people are able to go and buy. And it says, no, I would not touch a leper for a thousand pounds. For a thousand dollars? No, I ain't touching a leper. But she says, yet I'm willing to cure him for the love of God. You know, a lot of people, they, they see that and they go, because a lot of that somewhat Mother Teresa slang, right? You, if you ever listened to her talk or you ever read anything by her, she liked to have like little phrases that she would do. But this phrase right here was, rich people can get whatever they want and I want to be able to give to the poor exactly what the rich is able to get through money. And I wouldn't, for any money in the world, go out and just, just touch a leper. I wouldn't go out and put myself in harm's way for money. But the love of God has impressed upon me so much that I want to go out and lay hands on him and pray for him and tell him that Jesus heals and he saves and he's got the goodness. And if you just go to Jesus and you keep Jesus on the forefront, I will go touch a leper. But I ain't going to do it for money. I ain't going to do it for fame. I'm going to do it because of the love of God and who he is. You know, I always say burn hospitals. That was an old thing that I heard. But, but one of the reasons why people say, well, you know, people give to these burn hospitals or they give to, to one of these things is because in these scriptures, if back in the day, especially when this was being written, if you got burned, you would be, you would be unable to be healed. How many people know that if you have like third degree, fourth degree burns all over your body, your body goes into complete shock and you're not able to actually produce enough white blood cells in order to be able to overcome the skin that is gone. You die. You get septic. You get all the, the, I mean, you get sick by anything and you're dead. See, people need to understand that, that giving money and doing things physically is fine. That's great. But if you're doing it for fame or if you're doing it for fortune or whatever it is and you're not doing it for the love of God, then guess what's going to happen? It's only going to be money that's put out there. You're not going to be remembered. There's not going to be any... It, you're not going to get all the things that you thought you were going to get. But see, if we give by the love of God, they get something and then they get to go give it to somebody and then it just keeps being reproduced in the earth over and over and over again. See, this is why you need to understand your love because if you don't understand your love, you won't be able to give and if you don't give, then no one else is going to get because the world is deficient. It's not even anorexic for them. They don't even understand what love is. All they think is, I'm just going to give... I'm going to give 
money. Can I give some money? Uh, that, that's the way I'll do it. Heather and I was talking about people who were doing all these mission trips. You go, you find mission trips. A lot of times we go, we have all these friends that do missions. Well, they don't go and build houses for people. People go, oh, well, shouldn't they be building houses uh, in uh, Mexico or one of these other places? And it's like, no, people don't need shelter. That's not what people need. People need the love of God. But what happens is, is you go find some organization that's very denominational. They go out and they're like, I'm just going to go build houses. We'll give them a, a, a Bible. They can come to some sort of thing and get a meal. And we might have somebody that tells them about God or about Jesus or whatever. And then we're going to go build them a lean-tune house, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with it. But guess what? The houses that are being built in these places, they have to be rebuilt in five years. It's a consistent, because they're not building an actual house, they're building these little sheds. They can't carry the, the materials and go build for that many people down in Mexico or, or in South America anywhere. See, this is the problem that we have, is the fact that if we're trying to give money, well, I'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll build them houses and then they'll just find Jesus. No. We have to give love in order for them to receive love. That's, that's the, that is sowing and reaping, guys. If you don't understand sowing and reaping, and, and we don't, because we're not an agrarian society. We, we go out and we make a dollar, and then we're like, I want to put my dollar where I want to put it. And we'll make billionaires out of entertainers, and we will take our police and our teachers, and we'll make them thousandaires. I'm serious. We, 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 we see in our society what holds true, which did not in the past. In the past, the teachers and the, the preachers and the people, they were the richest people around. But see, we'll make a basketball star a billionaire. Sounds good to me. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is over 10 years is going to make like $300 million to throw a football. But we don't even have, $300 million would completely change a school system. It would change a city uh, police and fire. I mean, it would change a church. $300 million, you could go out and buy a lot of house material and go build houses if that's what you wanted to do if you gave it to a church. But people are going to go put it down in order for LeBron James in order to make him a billion dollars. Taylor Swift. I mean, all these people. I mean, heck, they shut down Taylor Swift's uh, merchandise site. That's how crazy people are over entertainment. And see, Mother Teresa was like, hey, man, I'd go lay hands on a thousand lepers just for the love of God, but not for any money. Shoot, there's nothing about money that's going to keep you from getting sick. There's nothing about money that's going to keep you from, from being sad. Well, guess what? The love of God, it's joy and peace and long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, all of that. The meaning of life is to love and be loved. The purpose of life is to love. When somebody comes up to you and says, what's the meaning of life? It's to be loved and to love. What's your purpose in life? It's to love people. 
And people go, well, I don't know if I just want to love people. I want to make a lot of money. I want to do a lot of things. Well, guess what? God will have some of that in there. There'll be provision. There'll be There'll be healing. There'll be all that other stuff that's in there. But if you don't know love, then you won't receive love. And if you don't receive love, then you're going to be in a deficit. And that deficit's going to keep you from having the goodness out of the money that you do make. I'm going to tell you what. I, I'm a prosperity preacher. I believe it. I believe that God gives me opportunities to make money every time I turn around. The more I've lived, the more money I've made, the more I do, the more money that comes to me. I believe it. I believe I'm prosperous in Jesus name. Every year it gets better and better and better and better. And you know what? If I lost it all today, the Lord's put me in places to where I can go back and make it again. And I'll do better and better and better every single year. And you may go, well, I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. Well, guess what? Just be poor. I don't care. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Just don't come ask me for money. But anyway, <laughs> whoo, let me, let me get the, the toe stomper back, back up here on stage. No. I want everybody to know what love is and what love is not. Because if you don't know what love is and you don't know what it is not, then you're, gonna, you're just going to blow it. Every single time you go out and try to do something good, you'll find that the, there's not enough applause. There's not enough money. There's not enough good things that you thought you were going to get out of it. Joyce Meyer said one time she bought this lady a brooch because she'd been talking to her and she made a big deal about this brooch that she had get, she had bought for this lady. And so she's in front of all these people and she gives this brooch to this lady in front of a bunch of people and the lady was like, oh, thank you. This is awesome. This is great. Oh, this is awesome. And, and then she turns around and she's walking out and the Holy Spirit says, that's all you're ever going to get out of that gift. You got everything that you wanted right there where, some, where a couple of people knew about that. He goes, but that, that's not going to profit you anything. You know why? Because she only wanted the accolades and she said, Lord, forgive me. Now when she said when she goes to give, she's like, I don't want people to know about it. I want to give it and I want to be able to get out of there and I want it to be something that is, is only seen by them, and then I'm moving on. It's not even, I don't even care if they know who gave it. And you know why? Because the thing is, is that her heart more and more and more becomes open to giving. I know I've spent a lot of time on this, but this is something that you got to understand because if your heart's not open to love and, and to being able to love, then you're just going to miss the boat. It's going to be a problem for you. It was a problem for me. I'm going to tell you what, this is one of the hardest lessons I ever had to learn. This was hard. And people go, it's really that hard to be loved. It is the hardest thing to be loved. It is, bar, bar none, anything I've ever done in my life, it's the hardest thing to be loved. Because that means that I've got to reciprocate love. You know, we take all the scriptures that we thought were money and we turn them around and start really looking at them and, you know, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, sh together, shall men give unto your bosom. Well, give to you the way that you receive, that you shall give back the same measure that was given to you. 
See, we have to understand that when we have relationship with God, that means that He's given and given and given. We give back to Him. When we give and we give and we give, people are going to give back to us. You know, it may not even come back through that one person. It may be that God has somebody else to give to you and you never give back to them. But see, that's, the, that's what love does is it just keeps giving and giving and giving. All right, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And it says, love, and this same word agape, the love feast, the smorgasbord, if you will, to choose. See, when we're in a love feast, we choose whatever we need. And see, that's what love is, is when I need to be loved, I choose what I need from love. Amen? And, and this word right here, I, I won't, I, I'm going to make a big deal about this. Y'all take it for what you were. This is Dusty's revelation. If you don't want to get this, then that's fine. But 1 John chapter 4, where it says, Love suffers long, or is patient, is kind, and love does not envy. And see, this word right here, love suffers long, is kind. Anytime you see a little bracket in any of the scriptures I've got, it means the word wasn't there in the King James uh, writers. They went and put that in there in order to make a point. Or they put it in there because they wanted it to make sense in the English language. But anytime you've got a bracket, you get the ability... I'm giving you permission. Y'all get to do it, okay? You can go and take out anything in the bracket and just read it, and you can accept it as face value too. Because I don't accept what people throw in there and they have to put brackets around to, or italicize. By the way, it, some of it is in your Bible, it's an italicize. So if it's italicized or it has a bracket, that means that some man put it in there to try to make it sense in the way that they saw it. Amen? Everybody good with that? All right, so I'm going to read this without the and. Love is patient, is kind. Patience is kindness. See, kindness is not going up to somebody and going, well, you're in sin, you're an alcoholic, you're, you're a homosexual, you're a whatever, and I'm putting all that in there. You've got transgender issues, you've got all that. All of that stuff is not kindness to go, well, I accept you for the way that you are. See, I want you to understand what the truth is by love. Not, I'm just going to accept everything that you say because that's going to make you feel good and then maybe you'll accept Jesus. I got news for you. You go out and find somebody that is that that you've not told the truth to and you just start trying to make them feel good about what they're in and how they're doing it, you're not going to get nothing from them. They're not going to accept Jesus. They're just going to go, well, I don't need Jesus because these people that, that are Christians are telling me, hey, I, I, I got a good lifestyle. Everything I'm doing is perfectly fine. Well, guess what? If you want to have kindness then you need to have patience. And patience means I tell the truth in love. And when I tell the truth in love, I just have to be patient even when they don't like hearing it. And that is kindness to them. Amen? That right there changed my whole outlook because I used to have problems where I would try to whitewash conversations. 
Because I didn't want people to be upset at Jesus. Well, guess what? Jesus was going to get stoned. He got nailed to a cross. I don't think there's much that could have been done to him other than that, right? So this right here is the same thing for us. Love that is patient is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not um, behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It, it is not provoked. Tells no e or thinks no evil. Verse six says, "Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes things, hopes all things, endures all things." Now I want you to understand. It doesn't say there. You have to take all the you have to take all the 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 numbers out. This is all one long speech that he's given. He's talking about what love. So when he says it believes all things, well, it doesn't mean that it believes stupidness. Okay, it believes everything about love and truth. That's what he's saying. It's all one big long sentence. This is a run-on sentence. In fact. If you notice in these sentences, you have semicolons because it's connecting all these sentences together so that he can run it on and keep running it on and keep running it on because he's not done yet. This is all one thought that is being spewed out and we put a bunch of numbers in order for us to be able to go and look it up. But this is one thought about the whole thing. In verse 7 it says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. Of love, verse 8, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And see, I want you to understand, I broke this down into two different areas because you need to know what love is and what it is not. Because if you don't know what love is, then you will start taking on the, the knots. Well, I envy what this person has. Well, that's not love. I'm going to act rude. Well, that's not love. See, we need to understand that love never fails. And it never fails for those who love. Now, it will fail. Love's not going to fail. But you will fail if you don't live in love. Amen? Amen. All right. Last thing here. Last thing. How many people say, praise the Lord, he's almost done? <laughs> All right, nothing can separate you from God's love. Romans 8, 37, it says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. I, it's one of my favorite scriptures. Most of the Bible is my favorite scripture. But this one, <laughs> I'm more than a conqueror. I, how many people, I know some of y'all didn't come from like Pentecostal or, or Word of Faith type backgrounds, but you know, for us that did, you'd be like, you know, that would be one of the first things that they would say. Well, then, you know, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, above only and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Well, that's a great confession. It's awesome. I used to love it. But it would be jammed in there with a whole bunch of other stuff that had nothing to do with the particular scripture that we were talking about. But it was a great confession. I'm not saying you don't use it. So if you want to have it as a part of a long, longer part of your confession, go for it. I'm good with it. But I want you to understand that 
in these things. When, when, the, when the world's coming after you, when the, the Romans are coming down, and this is what this was about. If you go read Romans chapter 8, he's talking about there's things that are happening. There's problems that are coming to the church. There are problems in your life. I'm not going to whitewash this. There's things that's going to happen in your life. Well, guess what? You're still more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror when things are going wrong. And the reason for it is because we're more than a conqueror through Him who loved us. Verse 38 says, For I am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels or principalities. This word actually means governments and rulers. How many people need some saving from some governments and rulers? Hallelujah, we need Jesus. Let's, do, let's, get our, let's get our governments and rulers right, okay? Nor powers, those that have more power than you do. By the way, there's a lot of people that have more power than I do. Lots of people, but I have favor with them. I'm not against people who have more favor. I'm not against the government. I'm not against the people that are in the government. There's some people that I don't want to be there. But I believe that I have favor even in the midst of when wicked, sinful, good-for-nothing politicians are in our White House that can't put two and a half sentences together that are out there letting a bunch of people die across our border. I'm still blessed and prosperous. See, you're more than a conqueror than the things that are trying to come against you that's trying to hold you down. You will overcome. Verse 39, it says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. You know what? There's a lot of things that are being created. 85,000 new IRS agents that can go and look after your finances and make sure that you've paid every cent to the... You know, I look at it like this. All the created things are because people in power... People in the government, that's 90% of the problems that we end up having is everybody has an idea about how to make things right and you have to get behind it, not them. But see, that's the good thing is that whatever you do, God created you to be more than a conqueror. And it says here, shall be able to, it says, uh, nor anything that is created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know that we are separated from Christ Jesus not by these things. We separate ourselves based upon our things. You know, the only thing that can separate you from God is you. You're the only thing that can separate yourself from God. It doesn't matter. If they come and arrest me, you know who's, who's in jail with me? God, Jesus. You know what? If all of a sudden everything, you know, Caleb and I was having this conversation and he was like, I don't understand why all the older people always love to hear about the end time stuff. Well, it's because they're closer towards the end times than you are. Okay. I mean, you know, revelations, Jesus, come back. I need you to come back. But see, the whole thing is, is that it doesn't matter. If you're young or you're old or if you have or, or if there's things that are happening and you don't like it, Jesus is with you. 
If you get arrested tomorrow for proclaiming the gospel, you go in there and Jesus is with you. You go and you get everybody saved in the jail. See, this is the problem that we have is that we see things that the government and the people in power that are holding you down that you think, I can never get up. Well, guess what? Then you probably won't get up. But if you say that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, then guess what? It doesn't matter who holds you down. There ain't nothing that's been created here on the earth. There's nothing that can hold the love of God down. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you and you and you and you and you and you. Everybody he loves. And it can just, like I said before, it can just come oozing out. The more pressure that gets put on you, the more things that the government's pushing down and mashing down on us, it just pops out the side. The love of God just pops out on us. But you can't have it ooze out of you unless you have it pumped into you first. And the love of God is so expansive. It is so big. It is just ready for you to receive, not just a little bit. God doesn't say, I just want to taste. You ever been somewhere and you saw something that was good and somebody says, you want to taste? And you go, no, I want the whole thing. <laughs> I don't want just to taste your dessert. You're either going to give me the dessert or I'm going to get my own. <laughs> See, there's more, there's more of God out there that we couldn't consume enough of him. The love of God, we couldn't consume enough. We couldn't have enough squeezed out of us and then have it put back in. There's so much of it. God has more and more and more. And if you don't accept the love of God, then it ain't going to ooze out of you. You're going to love your neighbor as yourself and it's going to be the wrong self. I've been there. I've been there and done that. That is a bad feeling. When you're like, somebody needed help, and I walk away later, and the Holy Spirit goes, is that really what you wanted out of that conversation? And I was like, that's all I had to give. I didn't have anything else to give. And the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about the love of God. I'm going to just tell you this. You're more than your circumstances. You're more than a purpose. You know, your purpose through Christ Jesus is to love and be loved. But you know, when we actually go and do the things God's calling us to do, don't get caught up, well, I prayed for these five, ten people and I saw miracles and I saw awesome things and then it's been five years since I've seen any awesome things happen. Well, guess what? That's, that's because everybody wants to make the big thing their purpose, but God wants you to have your purpose ready and sitting out there to be able to be used anytime. Don't worry about those things. Don't worry about, well, God, it's been a long time since anybody asked me or, or I prayed with anybody. And you're going, okay, be ready. Because your purpose is to live and to be loved. And if you think your purpose is, oh, I should just be used up by God. God, just use me. How many people said, Lord, just use me. Lord, use me. Y'all are a bunch of liars. <laughs> Lord, use me. Well, guess what? The Lord says, I'll use you when you're usable. But I'll also want you to know that I don't want to use you. I want us to work together. You know, I have people that work for me and I don't want to use them. I, I want them to work with me. I want them to have a relationship with me. I want them to, to understand. But see, I don't, 
people want a transactional God. God, you tell me what to do, I go do it, and then, and then I don't have to deal with you anymore. And God's saying, just love and live life. That's your purpose. That's the thing I want you to walk away from this week. I'm going to give you homework. I want you to go and I want you to just be loved by God. You know, be still, uh, Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Go and be with God. Let Him love on you. He's not, he's not looking for, He's not looking to say, well, I gave enough to Heather. So I got to move on to somebody else. Well, I guess Caleb, I'll give him some love. And I'm only give him half the love that I gave Heather. No, no, no. He wants, he can give love every single, every single time. So Jehovah Jireh, I, I don't know if y'all, y'all heard of some of these, the names of God, but it's the many breasted one. How weird is that? But when you look at what Jehovah Jireh actually means, it means that he's got enough spouts to be able to get the glory out to you. He's able to get that love to you. He's your provider. He's the lover of your soul. He knows exactly what you need when you need it. Let him love on you this week. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I pray over each and every person that's in here. I thank you, Father, that There's a love deficit that has been happening in the church. It's been happening in the world. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that that you just show each and every person that's listening to this uh, message that they just start allowing you to love them. They start allowing you to take the goodness of God and place it into their heart. And Father, I just pray over each and every person that that before they go out and love on somebody, that they just take the opportunity to be loved and to know that you are God and that you are good. Father, I pray over each and every person as they go this week, I pray that you're just helping them. Help them in every area. Holy Spirit, teach them things. Bring back to their remembrance. Help them to go find those things that are in the dark recesses of their mind that they have known at one point, but they're now needing right now. Help them to go pull that out of their library, Father, and open it up and it become a fresh word for them so that they can go out and they can understand who they are, but they can also go out into the world and they can propagate who you are. We just thank you for it. We just praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down in front. If not, y'all are dismissed. Y'all have a great and blessed week. I love you guys.